everyone and welcome to 10 out of 10 would recommend with me Talani and me Gina hi T how are you today hey my love I'm all right um I've got these for you that I think you'd be very proud of I started watching the crown oh thank you Jesus. I started watching the crown yes I started okay, watching the crown re- real and honest thoughts it is the best thing I've ever watched in my life are you being serious deadly it is so good it's so good I told you Oh, it's just made me realise how, as I know, if I didn't go to history or if I just skipped mm. it or if I just didn't listen, I was mm. like, who's this guy? I didn't know so much. Yeah, there's loads of stuff that we just don't. Well, this is the thing. It's like in history, they was teaching us about Charles and them, man. You know what I mean? Like Queen Schmerschmer back in the day, Henry VIII as well. I would actually watch something like Henry VIII, but they weren't teaching us about what the contemporary royal family. I don't feel like I knew about all of this stuff. I didn't even know about um, the king's brother. No, I didn't know about that either. I said, he, he, my guy said, no, I'm not doing anything for it. I want, I want love. He, he picked Imagine. love. He picked love. He picked love. And then he literally fucked off. Can you believe? Gina, I'm, I'm giving you a question. Love or royalty? What are you picking? Because in this case, it's love or money, if we really deep it. Mm. But the thing is, he'd, all, he'd still have, he was, he's, Still had money. No, because number cookie went to cut him off. I what you think picking? I'd pick. I'd think I'd. Ooh, I'd pick royalty. Really? I think I'd pick love, which is interesting for me. Uh, what? What? That is the weirdest thing you've ever said. You hate love. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, but we all know that that derives from a place that that we don't have time to unpack today. But yeah. I think I would. I would. I would probably pick love only because. They don't seem to be enjoying it. They're all miserable. No, that's true. Because the only reason I said royalty was because I'd feel like you're picking a whole family. You're picking one person outside of your whole family. Actually, that's a lie. I'd pick love. Who am I lying to? You'd pick love to like you would. Yeah, you I would. I I would love. of all people in the world that would pick love. I would you absolutely would like. Oh my god, I love him. I love him, mum. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, just to it's have some honestly, happiness. You know what I mean? So good. I'm so surprised by how much I love it. I felt the exact same way because I, no offense to Queenie, um, I'm not, I didn't, I wasn't bothered. You know, the Queen could pass me in the street and if no one said it was a Queen, I wouldn't know. But I was like, wait, wait, Gina, wait a damn minute. You were telling me you would not, if the Queen wasn't wearing her crown and she just had like tights and, <laughs> not just tights, <laughs> she's just wearing her regular MS tights. Do you know, like, because you know, old people have the tights and the shoes, like the shoes are made of like cushion. I don't yeah. know what age you start wearing those shoes, but I can't wait. Like, they're so ugly, but they look so They look comfortable. so comfortable. They look great. And sometimes they've got a little hill on them, and I'm like, I'm into these, like, cut, like you know, cushion shoes. Um, mm. You wouldn't recognise her. She just had her tights and cushion shoes on. You're telling me you would recognise the Queen if she wasn't in her full regalia and she was wearing her tights and her regular shoes? You'd recognise the Queen? No, you wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I couldn't pick the queen from a lineup, to be honest. <laughs> if, she was, if she wasn't in the crown, I absolutely couldn't pick her out. I absolutely we couldn't pick her not, out. We would not. Do you know what? Speaking of the crown, can I tell you something really Is embarrassing that happened, that happened to me? No, 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 no. It's not about... Okay. It's tangential to the crown, but it's not about the storyline or anything. Okay. So for the crown, ages ago in summer, with social guide distancing guidelines, everything was COVID safe. We, um, I interviewed, I got to interview Josh O'Connor and Emma Corrin, who play Charles and Diana. 
Right. In um, a Netflix Nine interview. And in the interview, so basically, because I had like not really left the house, I like, and it was boiling hot. This was the month that it was boiling hot. Mm. I was like wearing um, sandals, like my toes were out. And I hadn't left the house in ages and like loads of my clothes didn't even fit me anymore because hashtag lockdown. So I was like wearing something I hadn't worn mm-hmm. for ages and my toes were out. These are two things that are extremely important for you to remember about the toes being out. Right. Okay. Toes out, tight clothes. Right. Right. And I was doing the Netflix nine interview and that is record like recorded. You're on camera. I was interviewing them. And I didn't realise, A, that my whole body was going to be in it, but obviously we were socially distanced, so yeah. And that B, I sit really awkwardly. And so right. when, obviously, it's now winter, A, people are in the comments asking, uh, why does she have sandals on in a formal interview and in the middle of, like, <laughs> basically autumn, winter? And, and this is the comment that gets me, because bear in mind, this video, if you look on Netflix UK YouTube and type in, I think it's Charles and Diana chat, and it's got Netflix IX um, symbol, this has got almost a million views. It's at 980,000 views. All oh, of the, no. so many of the comments Baby. are asking why my leg like my legs are like in that like for some reason I was sitting awkwardly you know how you just sit awkwardly when you're comfortable and people are like why is she sitting like that yeah. one person said replied and said I think it's because she's got a disability where she has to that's why she's wearing those special shoes I was wearing Birkenstocks I was wearing Birkenstock sandals. Do you know how they are? <laughs> shocking, shocking. And now I can't even look at that video. It's done so well. I can't even look at it because so many people are slagging off my posture. I have to go watch it now. I have to go watch it. I'm really sorry. I have to watch it. But why are you reading YouTube comments? That is a place that people are the, at their purest evil. Rookie mistake, I know. I know. Because some people are being nice and saying, great interview, shmash, shmash, shmash. But the others... Oh God! Oh God! What were your oh, toes bloody. saying? What were your toes saying? What were your toes saying? What were your toes saying? What do you think my toes were saying during three months into lockdown? They weren't oh, saying baby. a lot. I'll tell you that for free. They weren't saying a lot. Oh, mate. Oh, so we're not going to have a a Gina OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not going to have a Gina Foot OnlyFans. What a, sh- what we're a not shame, bro. Gina OnlyFans. Same. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry anyway. that happened to you. It's totally fine. That's what I've been thinking about. But this honestly, week. that is all I've been watching because I'm I'm so it's just and also, do you know what I kept thinking about? How much money was spent to like do certain things? Like the set, the set design must have been insane. Like I just kept thinking they spent money on this show, boy. Mm-hmm. Like thank God it's successful. Netflix would have been fuming. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> doing all of that for the show to bomb. <laughs> yeah, they got I the mean, crown I'm, I'm involved, glad. they had gold. <laughs> They got all sorts. No, nah, they, they, they really went it. all in. It paid off for them. It really did. It really did. Anyway, for this week's episode, T, we were ultra prepared, weren't we? Because we spoke to our we friend sure Chris were. Columbus. Yes. We spoke to Chris Columbus, who is the filmmaker behind numerous films. Most recently, Christmas Chronicles Part 2, which has come to Netflix, but also is the man behind Home Alone. Like, this is king of mm-hmm. Christmas films. So let's have a little listen to our chat with him. I have just some of the filmography here. Just, just, just some. Just a little, just a smidge. Just, just, just a little taste, just a little taste. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal, no big deal at all. Here's my list. All right, so the man who brought you Home Alone. He sure did. Mrs. Doubtfire. He did that too. Two of the Harry Potter films. 
Did that as well. Home Alone 2. Lost in New York. Just to add a few more. Just to add a few, <laughs> few more. And most recently to Netflix, The Christmas Chronicles Part 2. Chris Columbus, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing incredibly well. I'm uh, healthy, so that's all that really matters these days. That's great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm very excited to talk to you guys about Christmas Chronicles 2. You're on hallowed ground here. We're about to witness something that no one else on Earth has ever seen before. Let's see if they can handle this! Guess this is your lucky day, you cats. Welcome to the North Pole. Santa! <laughs> Kate Pierce. How did you get here? You and Jack are supposed to be on vacation with your family. Our shuttle fell into this wormhole. Have a nice trip. You, Mrs. Claus? Uh-huh. Ah! Ah! What is that thing? Use an F. You're in Santa's village. The real one. Amazing. So you are like the Don. I can't think of a better way to say that. Outside of you are the Don of Christmas movies. Like you, like, <laughs> you know what you're doing. You've given us such great ones. What is it about Christmas Chronicles 2 that you want people to know about and watch about? And how do you carry on? Just keep making really, really good ones. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, it, for me, it's like I've always been fascinated by Christmas. Christmas to me was a, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a small, I wasn't really associated with the film business when I was a kid. I grew up in a factory town in Ohio. And my mother insisted on always putting up a, one of those metallic foil Christmas trees with the color <laughs> wheel on it. It had red. Aww. Aww. And, and I was just like, <laughs> It's not a sad story, but I was just like, can't we just get a real tree for once? Can't we get a <laughs> real lights like everybody else has? And so I vowed that someday when I, you know, I had a family, I would, I would get a, a real Christmas tree with colorful lights. And so that's, that's, that sort of began my obsession with Christmas. And I really, really kind of fell in love with the thematic elements of Christmas. Christmas to me is always a time of year when people are at their, can be at their happiest and warmest, but also it's, it's yeah. a lot of people are sad and it's a lonely time mm -hmm. sometimes. And I'm fascinated by that complexity and it's a good, mm -hmm. really rich time to set a film, whether it's a, you know, the, I think the first Christmas film I made as a writer was Gremlins. So setting, setting mm -hmm. Gremlins mm -hmm. against this town during Christmas time uh, as a horror comedy was a, I thought an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. um, Home Alone, again, you know, it's a Christmas themed film, but the poor kid has to deal with two burglars, which is, it was always a nightmare of mine as a kid as well. So yeah. <laughs> um, I've just been, you know, and visually you always get a little bit of, you get to cheat a little bit with Christmas because you have built in beautiful lights and decorations. Mm -hmm. and, and if you treat it with respect, a lot of, I'm not a fan of a lot of holiday movies because they don't, they don't tend to treat the season with respect. It's just, it feels mm. like it's a little cheesy. And with mm. Chronicles 2, Kurt and I, who are both Christmas nerds, really wanted to uh, dig into the mythology of who Santa Claus was. The, the mm. history, the, and open up that world and really deliver a Santa's village that wasn't silly or goofy or cheesy. A, a Santa's village that every kid in the world would want to lose themselves in. And that, to me, yeah. was was the goal, you know, that we set out to do a film like that, that, that felt, that would feel 20 years from now timeless. Mm. No, wow. that is absolutely the goal, because like so many of the films you've been involved in, we can watch it 
continuously year in year in year out and it's like evergreen content it's Absolutely. not yeah you're right it's actually not cheesy i know like i'm saying it because you're here but like thinking about it the christmas films this is not cheesy the christmas films you have made it felt really like yeah like someone that appreciates christmas not just because christmas films are always a good thing to do yeah exactly yeah, agreed yeah. Well, it's really nice. do you know what since you're here um so many films that you've been a part of have been such a huge part of my life mm -hmm. and i just have to give you like anecdotes on like just okay. the things that you've done <laughs> and i'm really big on like people giving people their flowers and like what other time in my life will i ever get to talk to you yes <laughs> outside of this we are so I'm we've been honored this. yes we've been honored oh, well, so i'm taking you. this opportunity as much as i can the first one is with home alone so um I, my mum is Nigerian and every Christmas they send that, you know, those memes of like, be, be careful. Like, there's like thieves around or like, be careful <laughs> about your lights. And the people, the pictures that they use, who are the burglars, are the people in Home Alone. And I don't think she realises that they're fictional characters. <laughs> so, <laughs> she'll send this long like chain message that about like, what to be careful about. And the picture is always these two men. I'm like, they are characters from Home Alone for goodness sake. They're not real life people. Um, oh so that's one of it. Oh, and the great. other one, one is that is so great that is amazing <laughs> and the other is it's a different film is and um, we talked about this in another podcast this is Doubtfire and I actually cried when I was talking about this because this is how much this means to me but after yeah. watching that film when I was a child I used to my dad wasn't in our life in my life so I used to always wish that my dad did that one day and I like, dressed up as a nanny oh god oh. <laughs> that is so touching god you're gonna make me and cry <laughs> no, my no, whole she, life we literally did cry on that on that episode I literally cried like, yeah the last time I spoke about it because I kind of like buried it a little bit because it, it meant that much to me and literally as a kid every yeah. time I'd be like one day daddy's gonna do it she told my sister I promise you daddy's gonna do it one day oh, daddy's gonna, and he never did oh you're breaking my heart <laughs> I'm sorry Chris I don't want to break your heart uh, I'm the story again Tony please oh god <laughs> that's just testament to how amazing the things that you do are that as yes. a child and as an adult that it, it meant and it means so much to me so so like thanks for that and i'm so glad I, in my lifetime i can tell you that oh thank you so much that is one of the <laughs> more touching stories i've heard associated with this style fire thank you <laughs> probably the most touching i have to be honest with you <laughs> i'm oh, glad that's, that was so sweet ah, okay um chris you um spoke about uh kurt uh so speaking of kurt russell you are are known obviously with, with a lot of the works you've done to have worked with some of the greats. Um, you obviously worked with Robin Williams. You've worked with Kurt Russell, Goldie Horn for the Christmas Chronicles part two, especially. What is it like having worked with such legendary people? Your stories, your anecdotes from working with these people m must be extraordinary. You must have a long list of stories. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and I should probably write them down in some format before I forget I would read some it. of them. Um, but I mean, I, did, I just truly have been fortunate enough to work with, I think the three greatest actors I worked with personally would be John Candy, Robin mm -hmm. Williams, and, and Kurt Russell. I mean, those have been mm -hmm. the three greatest experiences of my life. Um, mm -hmm. They all work differently. Robin and John Candy were more improvisational performers. So Robin, yeah. would, do, Robin would do a take on Mrs. Doubtfire, for instance, and it would be scripted. And then we'd continue to do 20 to 22 more takes. And, oh. and they were all different. So that film, I couldn't really develop, and it didn't really matter for that film. You didn't, there was not a specificity in a visual style in Mrs. Doubtfire because in some ways we had to shoot it like a documentary. So there were mm -hmm. always three cameras, one on Robin and two on the other actors, 
because you never knew what Robin was going to say. And something mm -hmm. incredibly brilliant would pop out of his mouth and the other actors would react for the first time and you'd have that on camera. I mean, we did get to a point where we, you know, we, we, there was a PG version of the movie, a, an R-rated version of the movie, and an NC-17 mm -hmm. version of the movie because Robin you <laughs> couldn't stop him. You never know, knew what he was going to say. So some of my experience, my experience on that set was just like being able to watch a comedic genius at work. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a rarity. Um, but yeah, there's so many stories and so many, I, I mean, so many wonderful experiences, so many uh, bad experiences in certain situations uh, mm -hmm. that I just won't talk about publicly. Totally fine. Yeah, you can keep that. You can keep that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and you do remember the stories. It's just like as if they were yesterday, you know. Um, mm. So maybe it's a good idea to to write them down. Yeah, right. Yeah, bestseller that would be, mate. Like bestsellers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've got two <laughs> It has exactly. We will both buy it, and that's all that matters. That is all that matters. <laughs> absolutely. Like absolutely. we said from the top, you have the knack for Christmas movies. What would you say the ingredient is? What is it that you? Because I'm a big fan of Christmas movies, even the cheesy ones. But mm -hmm. as you could like, there's a difference. There's levels to this Christmas movie. There's stuff. levels. There's levels. Not all Christmas films are the same. Right, <laughs> so indeed. what would you say is the secret ingredient to make it one that you do watch over and over and over again? I just think you have to. You you do have to. Um, get into it with sort of the integrity and the love of, of the, the deep emotional side of Christmas and what it means to all of us, you know? And I think that it's really um, important to treat it with that kind of respect. Working with Kurt Russell, I think is, this is a man who believes that Santa Claus is a real human and was a real human being. And, but Kurt also, before we got into this movie, wrote about 200 pages of backstory of the mythology of Santa Claus. You just can't Ooh. even imagine. He's a, he's basically treats wow. as if he's a method actor. Oh and my God. so I would look at this backstory and we change some of it and we talk about it. And it's, he's got just all of this history between Santa and Mrs. Claus and how he met her. And there's not enough of it to get into the film, but he takes this role that seriously. And to have an actor with that kind of commitment is just extraordinary. You just never see that. So that's what separates the good Christmas films from the, from the cheesy ones, so to speak, mm. is that you have to go into it with that commitment. I came into this movie literally wanting to treat Santa's village, Santa's world, the North Pole with the same sort of integrity, integrity and large scale uh, visual style that we did in Harry Potter. I mean, it was that. Mm -hmm. And when, when I first walked onto the Santa's Village set and I saw, well, I built the biggest set of my, my career. Bigger than the Great Hall, which was, which wow. was hard to oh, do. Wow. So we had to honor that, uh, that particular set. So that's, that's what it is. It's, it's treating it as if you're almost doing Shakespeare. You know, you're just treating yeah. it with that kind of respect. I'm yeah, never going to complain about doing work again hurts out here around 200 page just backstory of a, of, of a role and, I, and, I, and i'm like waking up at nine like oh gosh wow like i'm so tired <laughs> i'm so <laughs> knackered complain again. never complain again wow that is incredible do you know what i actually what also we... oh no go ahead go ahead tonight. 
No, I was going to ask, do we know the history of Santa Claus? Like, where does it come from? Is that common knowledge? Or is that something that there's just Santa Claus? It is not common knowledge. And we found out, you know, we found out some interesting things on this movie. We found out that Santa Claus was based on a bishop in Asia Minor oh. years ago. And he started by delivering fruit and gold coins into, you know, people who were less fortunate into their, they would leave their shoes out at night and he'd put a gold coin. It's in the movie. Um, and you also, we also found out that an interesting thing, obviously, there probably were no flying reindeer, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, just. I mean, anything. don't spoil it. No. I want to believe that. <laughs> so that. There, is a, there is flying reindeer. It's a good thing. But in the, in the mythology of Santa Claus, all of the reindeer were women. So you'll notice that when we didn't know that, and all of the reindeer are, are women in our film as well. So we, we did our research. Hmm. Um, Elves are another story. I don't, I, you know, the, we made up the elves. So. <laughs> <laughs> Someone just decided that was a good idea. Right, yeah. What <laughs> age did you both stop believing in Santa Claus? Like, did you, Ooh. did you ever stop? I don't know. Do I think you, I stopped quite early. Do children listen to your podcast? <laughs> no, bad? they don't I, listen. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> don't it's let fine. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, well, for me, it was a uh, it was a double edged sword. I walked mm. into I was staying at my grandparents' house, and I went into the basement, and I w opened a cupboard. And in the cupboard, ne the next day was Easter Sunday, were, were Easter baskets hidden. Right. So I said to myself, "Oh my God, there's no such thing <laughs> as the Easter Bunny." And then I said, <laughs> "Oh no, that oh, means there's no, no Santa Claus." <laughs> so, so, all my dreams were destroyed that day. Oh, no. Oh, oh, I, I love your holidays ruined. What yeah. did, you, did you go to your parents and be like, how could you, do, like, you're telling what me you Santa isn't just incredibly prepared and somehow prepared for Easter as well? Like, what did you say to them when you found out? I pretended to go, I, I didn't mention it that year. I probably mentioned oh, it, wow. it, it probably one or two years later. I went along with it for a while because yeah. I, I didn't really want to believe it, but I knew in my heart, you know, mm. it's over. <laughs> wow. That, do you know what? I had a similar experience because I heard, I remember hearing the rustling of the wrapping paper and a couple of, it happened like a year or so before that, but, but I just thought it was Father Christmas, like wrapping, like getting them ready. I thought, oh yeah, fair enough, Father Christmas, you go ahead and continue doing that, Santa. Um, but, <laughs> but one year I got curious and it was my mum wrapping the bloody presents. Oh no. Um, but I, yeah, I was really, I was like... Oh, yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, and my dream got quickly. Oh, really? <laughs> um, I'd watch TV because I um, my my childhood was in Nigeria up till I was about seven. So I'd watch TV and seen a white Santa Claus, of course. Mm -hmm. So then I remember getting taken to go see Santa Claus, and it was just like this black skinny man. I was like, no, no, that's not him. <laughs> <laughs> that's not who's on telly. That's <laughs> I was great. Like, I was like, that's not him. Oh, that's great. And then I kind of had to be told that anybody can dress up as him. I was so upset. I was like, that's not him. <laughs> that's not who I saw on telly. <laughs> so that's, so kinda, good. that's fantastic. So that's how I knew that, that it wasn't real. Do you know no. what? Speaking of um, us, us going back to when we were children, what do you think, what is it that is so exciting for kids about the idea of Santa Claus, Father Christmas, I mean, we call him Father Christmas um, in the UK too. What yeah. do we think is that's so exciting for kids about the prospect of this person existing and giving us presents? Well, I think that it's, you know, you get, uh, 
the concept and my kids, my, I have four children, they're older now, but still they, they love the concept of this, the entire day of Christmas, getting presents, having a big dinner with the family, all of that. But the, mm-hmm. the idea that there's this man that exists that delivers presents, that, you know, back in the day, you'd send a letter to the North Pole, he'd read the letter mm-hmm. and you'd get, if you were fortunate enough, you'd get some of the things on your letter. And that just creates this magical quality. Like there's this mythical yeah. character, myth- mythological character who lives in the North Pole, who reads my letters, who really cares <laughs> about me as a kid. I think that's a real connection. You know, um, I do remember though, I was, I was fortunate enough to, or maybe dumb enough, not smart enough at the time to realize when I was going into department stores and seeing a lot of, creepy Santa Clauses as a kid, you know, they're, they're out there. <laughs> and they're like, this is not what I thought he would be. Yeah, it's just a guy in a suit, but the real one, the real one mm. is, you know, mm. but um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great story you have though about the, the fake Santa Claus. I love yeah, that, was, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I was so upset. My dreams were crushed. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there actually, I'd say. Yeah, yeah there was so much. There was so much. You even, honestly, there's been so many dreams that you've started in crush because so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. So again, speaking about kids, I mean, you work a lot with children in your films, Home Alone, Christmas Chronicles. Like, how is that? Because I mean, the general Hollywood rule is that you don't work with kids and animals, right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I like, I, I initially started working with kids and realized I kind of had a knack for directing them in terms of a lot of kids, mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin, the Potter kids, they had never been on a film. I mean, Macaulay Culkin did one little scene with John Candy and uncle Buck and the, the, the Potter kids. I, I think Dan Radcliffe probably did a couple of days on the BBC version of uh, David Copperfield, which is where we discovered mm-hmm. him. But other than that, those kids were like, they got to the set the first day. They're looking into the camera, smiling. They'd say one line and, just wander. They were so happy to be in the Harry Potter movie, but they they forgot they were actors. So you as a director have to have a tremendous amount of energy. You know, it's, it's like a sporting event. You have to, Mm -hmm. you have to have more energy in a sense than they do to get their energy level off camera to, to your level. So with Potter, you'll notice the first film was kind of shot. Like I was talking about Mrs. Doubtfire. We shot with four cameras because we never knew, when the kids were going to look into the camera, forget mm-hmm. their lines. So that film, there were no, very few shots of the kids walking and talking and having a conversation in one shot. By the time we got to the middle of Chamber of Secrets, they became really strong actors and we were able to do that. And then by the time we got to Prisoner of Azkaban, they were, you know, they were pros. So mm-hmm. I felt very good about that. I mean, the two Harry Potter films were part you know, making the film and, and also acting school for those kids. Um, really great with kids. There's actually a really good, um, there's a great clip of you having given, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I would love to hear a little bit more about this story. Um, you having given Macaulay Culkin, and I hope I, I've butchered that man's name. I'm so sorry to, Maca- <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mr. Culkin. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> butchered that name. But you having given him um, a video camera, uh, on the set, like while on the set of Home Alone for him to film scenes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that moment, why you did that, et cetera, et cetera? Well, that was actually a studio request. Oh, they, really? Yeah, they wanted behind the scenes footage of Home Alone, so they gave the camera to Macaulay, who went crazy with it, just ran, ran around for days shooting everything. In fact, he would 
not concentrate on the scene because he had the video. We had to <laughs> hide the video camera at one point. Um, so I was not happy with 20th Century Fox at the time because, like, guys, you're slowing us down. You've given him this. You're slowing it down. Um, <laughs> And that, you know, it's interesting. So there's a lot of behind the scene footage, but I've been reluctant to, because of uh, children's belief in Santa Claus, we were reluctant to show mm -hmm. any behind the scenes footage of Christmas Chronicles because I didn't want to kind of based on what happened to you. I didn't want the kids to say, wait a second, that's, that's an actor playing Santa Claus. That's not the real Santa yeah. Claus. Aww. So Netflix, uh, I don't think, we're going to be seeing any of that, which is good. You know, I, I would, that would be the worst thing of Christmas Chronicles is the thing that tells children there's no Santa Claus. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah. We'll, we'll avoid that. We'll avoid yeah. that. Yeah, we'll definitely, absolutely, absolutely avoid that. That's, that's not necessary at all. No. And I think, do you know what? It adds to the magic of watching films as well, of believing that there is this person that yeah, does exist. And I mean, as a parent, I don't know how they did it because I'd want all the credit with my kid. I'm like, there is no Santa. Our mummy bought it. Yeah, <laughs> I bought <laughs> everything that you're unwrapping. No, no Father Christmas. It was okay, me. Thanks, Santa. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that says about me, but I I just don't know how parents deal with Santa Claus because it's, 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 he gets all the credit all the time. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I guess you could probably just tell, you know, tell your kids immediately there's no Santa Claus. I don't, yeah, I don't no know Santa. if that's no, I would advise do that. Them. No, no, I wouldn't do that because I, I would want them to be into it. So in um, all the Christmas films that you've probably seen, used for research or taken in or worked on, what would you say was your favourite? Mm. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, I'm not a big fan of holiday movies, but there are great ones. You know, the great ones mm. are the great ones. So it would be It's a Wonderful Life, um, mm. The Miracle on 34th Street, uh, mm. Elf, I think is great. Mm. Um, Elf is so good. So, so <laughs> those, are, those are my top three. Um, I like a Charlie Brown Christmas, the, uh, the, the animated special. <laughs> that still feels magical to me. Um, mm. Yeah, but they're hard to make. As, as we said earlier, they're they're not easy to make, and you and to the goal is to make sure that they they have a timeless quality so they can last forever. Really, that's that's your goal. You don't always reach it, but I would really hope that the Chronicles films are still being watched in a couple in twenty years. You know. Yeah, I think there's also something really beautiful about the fact that the idea that the Christmas Chronicles can be like what. Home Alone was for Talani, for example, um, right. or like, and like you're protecting, you're protecting those sweet children that they don't find about. I think that's really cute. In a way, you're Santa Claus, and I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I think oh, it's you. you. I think you are Santa Claus. Chris. In a way, I think that's you. what we should end this on. It is you who has allowed all this magical, <laughs> all these magic that. experiences in people's lives. It, it's you, sir. So, um, thank yeah. you for that. Yes. And I, I'd oh, like I you to take question. that title. Yes. Um, I'm, I have to ask this because this is a debate that we have in this country all the time. I don't know if you have this debate also uh, where you are, but every year it's debated whether certain films that are not necessarily holiday, like marketed as holiday movies, are actually holiday movies because they're watched during the holiday period. Um, like? So, like Die Hard, for example. <laughs> I think you can say that. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's Die Hard, a Christmas movie. Chris, you are Santa Claus. What is the truth? First of all, I'm flattered that you think I'm Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually heard that debate because I, someone asked because they put Die Hard and Gremlins together. They said, is Gremlins yeah. a Christmas movie as well? And I think they both are, mm -hmm. by the way. I think uh, okay. Die Hard is yes, a Christmas. I mean, it's, it's what I was talking about earlier, which is it's set at the backdrop of Christmas. It, it doesn't necessarily 
the it's not <laughs> the themes aren't a holiday miracle or you know mm. the Christmas Prince, but the thematically it is a nightmarish situation set on Christmas Eve. So mm. yeah, I think it's a Christmas film, but I love the debate. Yeah, it's a good debate. Talani, would you say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? I mean, I can't, who am <laughs> I going to go against Santa? Are you going to go against Santa, Santa Claus? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but you know what? I think it is a really good point where it's it's set in this time. So it must be, surely. Like what's happening is not the tropes that you normally see. But also I feel like we don't necessarily have to follow those tropes all the time. It can be because it is Christmas time. So it's a Christmas film. Right. Yeah, that's how I see it. You've heard it here first, everyone. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> In actual fact. I heard first and on 10 out of 10 would recommend with Chris Columbus. It is a Christmas movie. Okay, that was great. <laughs> Definitely a Christmas movie. Uh, <laughs> um, Chris, do you have any plans to bring us up? You don't have to tell us if you don't want to. If it's a secret, it's fine. But, um, but we're friends. You should tell us. But we're friends. So yeah. do you have any plans to give us a... Christmas Chronicles Part 3? And if not, what, what are you working on next? What's going on in your world? Uh, it, it was, I mean, the, the complications of uh, COVID, you know, uh, it was an interesting post-production because everything was done in one room here, this room I'm renting. And it's, we did, we did our score here. We actually did the score in London with uh, the musicians separated in, in different rooms. So the entire orchestra oh, was, yeah. was recorded in London while I was here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we did sound, we did visual effects, everything via Zoom. And we managed to make the film. So I'm looking forward to getting back and working with people again. I love being around people. I don't like mm. being alone. Um, mm. But I don't know about Christmas Chronicles 3. I, it dep- that really depends on the success of the second film. You know, Everyone go watch it. And if everyone goes <laughs> and watches it, then, uh, then, then mm. the discussion will happen. Um, I'm developing a lot of projects, none that are at the front of the line, so to speak, at this point. So, uh, or at the front of the queue. Um, so I, I truly, um, I, I truly am going to, you know, celebrate the holidays with my family. Hopefully everyone stays healthy and, um, I'll, January 1st, I'll start to think about what's next. Okay. 2021, we move. Yes. 2021, we move. I can't believe I just said Chris, we move. We move to Chris I don't numbers. know. Oh, it's like, I'm sorry. Um, Chris, thank you so much for everything that you are and all that you've done. Thank you for my personal anecdotes and TV and film means an, like the entire world to me. So thank you for being a massive part of that. And thank you for coming on the podcast. We really, really appreciate you. That was so much thank fun. You. Thank you, Spend every hour of every year getting ready for one lousy day. Help me, A day that brings joy to children all over the world. And that will never change. Sometimes I think you actually enjoy these little dangerous escapades. I, I, well, I, I... Thank you so much, Chris. I really enjoyed that. And I really liked how he took my missed out fire um, anecdote. I feel like it meant a lot to him. Do you know what I was thinking the other day? I hope that like one day he's like, I don't know, getting interviewed and I don't know, Jonathan Ross or something. And then he says, there was once a girl who said this to me. That's been my dream for the longest time. I think he might. I think because he really responded very well. I think he was really into it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think he will Yeah, do I really hope that. I've always wished that something happened to him, that I interview someone and they go somewhere else and they talk about like my interview with them. 
I don't know. That's oh. just my ego, I guess. Right. Okay. Well, um, I'm sure that when he's promoting all of his many films, he will mention you to Lani. <laughs> yes. Hopefully. <laughs> because I am pinnacle in his life. I mean a lot to him. Let's just hope he does one day. Do you know who I was thinking about the other day? This is so random, right? Like mm. old school. Um, Anne Robinson. How do we know <gasps> that she's well? Is she well? Exactly. Wait. Where is Anne Robinson? Is Anne Robinson? Don't, 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 don't you dare say anything about that. I'm she's alive qu- and well. Yeah. Okay. No, she's alive and well. She has to be alive and well. Because I was thinking about the uh, weakest okay. thing and I was like, oh my God. She's alive and well. She's alive and well. She's, right? she's, she's alive, alive. She's alive. She's alive. Well, she's right? alive. The Wikipedia is oh. all in present tense. Okay. All fine. All fine. All God. fine. She's alive. <laughs> Hi, okay, I can talk about her in a jury that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> she was yeah. the first meanie on television. And I feel like every other meanie after her took her personality. Mm, you're right, actually. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. did, didn't they? Simon Cowell stole her personality. All the other TV <laughs> meanies are just trying to be Anne Robinson. I'm just putting that out there. And I hope The Weakest Link comes back at some point. You are The, the Weakest thing is, Link. Good boy. The Weakest Link is, is not going to be the same without Miss Anne. That's the thing. No, no one else could ever host it ever. Because people are nice now. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, sorry right. you got that wrong. She was like, yeah. you idiot. You idiot. What school did you go to, you muppet? I mean, those were not her exact words. She was actually so rude. And she never laughed. I I was so shocked. She was so... My mum loved her. She was so rude. Like, everyone just used to get it from her. Like, she didn't care who you were. Everybody was like... Yeah, everybody... She was above everyone. I want her to come back. Can Netflix do our weakest link with Anne Robinson special? Thanks. Tell you what, we'll get get Anne on the show. (laughs) We'll get her on the podcast. No, honestly, can we get Anne on the podcast? But I just want her to like rain insults at me. I don't want her to be a nice person. I don't want her to be like a soft granny with tights and comfy shoes. I want her to call me a stupid idiot. That's what I want. Um, you can pay for. You can get. You can pay for that. <laughs> That's my kink. And Robinson <laughs> shouting insults at me. <laughs> we have to end this. I'm sorry. This has gone so left. But um, to all the Anne Robinson fans out there, please let me know who you are because I'm sure there is plenty of us. I'm sure we reign supreme. But yeah, that's it for this episode, right? Wait, before we go, Gina, what would you recommend this week? Oh, I've got two recommendations for you and we can have a listen to the trailer too. So the first thing I'm going to recommend is a title called Dance Dreams Hot Chocolate Nutcracker. Just from the title, what do you think that this is about? Black strippers. Okay, let's have a listen to the trailer. (laughs) There was a lot of sweat in these floors. Like somebody like lifted up like history out of these floors. It'd be kind of gross, but inspiring. She's a groundbreaker. I mean, this woman has choreographed the Oscars 10 times. As a young girl, the Nutcracker was so important to me. <laughs> but I decided to take it on with different styles of dance and music and make it fun. I've never even seen a regular Nutcracker. The only thing I know is hot chocolate. Now I'm going to explain what this is about. Now, do you know, you'll know her face, but I don't know if you'll know her by name. Debbie Allen. Do you recognise that name? Yes, yes, I do, I do. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, Debbie Allen's been in so many things. She was in Fame. She was uh, like, 
like uh, the J- Jessie's mum or Jackson, I think it was called in Grey's Anatomy. She's all of these different people. She's been in everything. Um, definitely Google her, Debbie Allen. You will recognise her uh, face. And she has a dance school. I had no idea about this. She has a dance school and oh. it's a performing a performing arts school. Like they, they do dance. And every year there's a big production and it's of the Nutcracker. And her Nutcracker is called Hot Chocolate Nutcracker. You know, the Christmas Nutcracker with the ballet and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's apparently very, very hard to get into this showcase. And so this, this kind of documentary slash reality series slash, you know, whatever you want to call it, is the process of the young people getting into this showcase and having to, like, again, auditioning and performing. So it's very much, in my opinion, if you watch Cheer and Light Cheer, it's the same vibes of Cheer in terms of, like, competition, high stakes, um, Americans being incredibly dramatic and then also a bit of fame like wanting to be a star Debbie Allen's going to get you there Debbie Allen is also like a, a, a iconic black matriarch it's everything that you need if you that, like that kind of stuff so if you like cheer I would recommend that's my first one to you and that's coming out today but can you understand um, why I thought hot chocolate not car could have something to do with strippers could you understand that I, I can I can I can yeah, and I, I think also because it starts with dance dreams, I think also, and then the nut hot chocolate, it does make sense why you would have thought black strippers. So. Thank you. I mean, I'm happy it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, that's on another streaming service, not this the second one. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the next recommendation is a film called Hillbilly Elegy. This one is harder to explain. So again, I'm going to need to for us to listen to the trailer but it stars Amy Adams and Glenn Close two fantastic actors let's have a listen to the trailer I thought your mama was going to be alright be happy I know I could have done better but you you got to decide you want to be somebody or not been doing real good i just had a down month i got an interview tomorrow mom otherwise i know you know me i always land on my feet so now you've listened to the trailer this is harder for me to explain and you know t i'm not great at explaining things however you're not good at this i'm terrible i'm really really terrible i'm gonna do this an injustice and so i really recommend watching the film it is already out but amy adams character is a mother who struggles with addiction and she has this son and it's essentially a film I think about like family relationships and addiction and personal issues and all you know when there's a lot of drama going on in the family and things like that and and the child wanting to succeed but the parent and having to come back for the parent and all these things that's that's that and Glenn Close plays uh, the mother of Amy Adams so it's all that kind of trajectory great acting okay it for this week um i don't have much to recommend because all i've been watching is now like princess diana documentaries because now i'm just like obsessed with her um but yes yeah, so that's it for this week but next week we've got a mate of ours i'm actually really excited for this episode to come out for you guys to hear we've got quinta coming on the podcast we recorded this a while yes. ago so i'm actually really excited for you guys to hear it and hear she's our excitement to talk to each other after not talking for she's in big mouth and doing big things 
and yes. we tell her how much we love when we rate her so it's all lovely and warm and so it's going to make you feel nice thank you guys so much for listening Gina where can they find us so if you want to find uh, the podcast 10 out of 10 would recommend we're everywhere Apple Spotify all sorts of places share it with a friend write um, like it do a star write a review tweet us on Twitter you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at smilegina g-e-n-a and you can find Tolly at so that's Tolly t-o-l-l-y underscore t and if you want to find Netflix, uh, you can find us at Netflix UK on all social platforms. That's YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and at Netflix on TikTok. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you come back next week because the conversation with Quinta is indeed epic. Yeah.